Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midtown Conversations here on Midtown Radio. My name is Allison Dijak, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Ashwin Singh today. Ashwin moved to Waterloo from India to attend the University of Waterloo. Throughout that time, he began performing and hosting local music shows through So Far Sounds Waterloo and Good Company Productions, as well as performing at local comedy nights. Now, Ashwin is making big moves to break into the world of stand-up comedy, traveling across the country and even North America to make that happen. With his goal of performing 100 shows already surpassed, what will come next? Let's find out. Ashwin, welcome to Midtown Radio. Hello, that was a very pleasant blurb. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. A <laughs> little bit of Instagram creeping and we have our, in- our intro for you. <laughs> Wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Well, what a two years it's been for you. I have really, really enjoyed watching your journey into the stand-up comedy world evolve on your social media. Um, I had always known you as a local musician, but then I started seeing all of these comedy bits start to come out from you, and I was just hooked into it. Uh, I'm wondering, Ashwin, what made you want to start focusing on bringing your jokes more to the forefront of what you're doing as an entertainer? I've always enjoyed writing, but I usually don't have any control over what I write. I just write and then it turns into whatever it turns into. I've found there's things that I can do and then there's things that I am. And I'm starting to learn that I am more a comedian that can play music, less musician that can do comedy. Uh, Just the, the feelings of different art forms are different. So I think I think whenever I write something where the feeling is well there where there are like feelings involved where it's like emotional or heartfelt, then I'm then I think, oh, maybe this should be a song or a poem or something like that. But usually what I write is it comes from the perspective of this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is this is this is bizarre. Why is this true? And and all of that tends to turn into jokes and comedy. So it's just that when I'm truly being creative, what I'm creating is uh, is comedy. And music is just something that I grew to be reasonably very good at. <laughs> You're very, very good at it. <laughs> Do you remember like a specific moment when there was kind of that shift of thinking like, going to make this happen, going to do comedy, live out of a suitcase if I have to, travel, do whatever I have to do to share my comedy? Like, do you remember a moment or maybe a period of time where that there was that shift in thinking? Sort of. So certain things made me a comedian as opposed to me doing them after becoming a comedian. Like, you know what they say is like, I do this because I'm a, like, because I'm a comedian, it's not that I'm a comedian, so I do this. Like part, like nature versus nurture, like what, like something's led to it, something's led from it. Like the traveling from a suitcase part, that's been my life for the last six years, even before I was doing comedy. Just uh, Waterloo has a co-op program every four months. I was leaving to go uh, work at some company in a place that was not Waterloo. So I've lived in like five or six cities over the last four or five years. Two of like Cupertino and California being one of them. 
I think I've been living out of suitcases ever since I first moved to Canada because I moved with two suitcases, you know, and then anytime I did it for long enough that it just so happened that I realized that if you live out of a suitcase for long enough, you realize you never needed anything that's not in the suitcase. And then part of it was that a lot of comedy is tension, like creating it and relieving it. And I'm naturally the kind of person that uh, has the knack for creating those types of moments. Like I always knew what to say to make people tense. I just wasn't very <laughs> good at what to say to not make them tense anymore. Okay. That was the part that I had trouble with. Like I, I used to make this joke, like I went to my friend's uh, reception and I was the only friend there. A lot of it was family or like family friends. I was the only person from university and, and, and he's known me for five or six years. He's probably the person that uh, I've known for longest in, in Canada. I think he met me like the month after I got here and he's known me ever since, which um, as an immigrant or a person that travels, like that kind of longstanding friendship is like one of the most valuable things you can have. So he, he knows my personality and he told his family and one of his family members was like, oh yeah, because I was having fun and making jokes and I'd had a little bit of tequila. And so everybody was having fun and somebody was like, oh yeah, Jonathan said that you're awkward. I don't see it. And it's like, I'm not awkward. I'm weird. I make people awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Two different people. There's an intentionality uh, but, uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Like I noticed it more after I moved because when you have like a culture shock and everything you've known is different from the way that it currently is, you have a knack for saying things that you don't know are abnormal things to say. And then you will just say them and there will be like a microsecond of silence too long. Where you're like, I said something, but nobody explains it to you. You just have to figure it out. And then you just get frustrated, which you're like, you could have just told me. But no, I have to wait and figure it out all by myself. But I just like it just sort of became ingrained in me eventually until it led to the realization, wait, I can make people tense whenever I want. Yeah. And, and, and that's when I started thinking about, oh, hey, so if I get on stage and do that, then maybe I can learn to relieve that tension and maybe people will listen to my experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that performing these jokes and, and routines on stage, has that helped you like work through kind of any of those moments of, um, you know, feeling out of place or, or just dealing with struggles moving to a new country, being an immigrant? Well, yeah, I mean, everything informs your art, right? Like it's, uh, my dad used to say, I don't know who said it to my dad. It's not the kind of thing that dads just say, like, you know that somebody else said it first. But <laughs> but my dad used to say, at first you exercise so you can eat whatever you want. But if you exercise for long enough, you start eating so you can exercise the way you want. Okay. Right? Um, where it becomes like, you're so focused on, you like exercising, you become passionate about it. And then everything else that you do starts informing the thing that you like to do instead of the intention with which you started it. And so when I, when I started, it was a matter of expressing myself and it still is to, to a very reasonable degree. There are still things that I, I write where I'm like, this is something that comes from me, but, but there's definitely now things that I write where I'm like, the sole purpose of this is that it will make people laugh and there's no like internal like point to be made. Um, it's just, and I, and I've realized that you need a combination. When you first start out, everything is about your own expression and what you really, really want to say to the world. You're like an 18 year old rebelling against society. Oh yeah. Right. And, but it's like your art gets to make a very big impact, but, but not the way 
you thought you would be able to like the things that you say naturally influence people. It's not about the intention of influencing them. The intention is to entertain them and, and, and express yourself. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And uh, to answer your question, yeah, a lot of real life, whatever is happening influences whatever the art form is really. And with comedy, it's fun because I don't remember who said it, but they said comedy is the one art form where you can use everything you know, right? Um, So like if I'm at work and something happens, I'm like comedy. And if I'm like dating and something happens, comedy. If I'm not dating something, but one of the good pieces of advice that I recently got was but you have to experience things to articulate them. And if you don't do that, then your writing becomes a little one dimensional. Like everybody has an active imagination, but, but artists are also responsible for living their lives as fully as they can so that they can then express those lives through, through their words. So they said, well, if all you ever think about is doing comedy, then all of your jokes will become about comedy. And then the only people that will listen to those jokes and be entertained by them will be comedians. It was a very narrow audience, right? Whereas if you live your life and you have jokes about dating and and sexuality and uh, like, uh, you know, family and uh, all of those things, then, then people will naturally find you through the topics because people at first look for topics. They want to know about dating or they're like, oh, this is a very funny thing about this. And then the second time they watch you, they go, oh, it's a very funny person talking about those things, right? But nobody sets out looking for a funny person. They set out to look for a funny way of saying something. And then they realize that you were the conduit through which they found that thing. And then they follow you. I want to talk a a little bit about your trip to Los Angeles last year. Um, So this, I know you you mentioned that you've lived in California for one of your co-op placements. Was this your first time in LA though? I had been to LA once before, but that was, I was only there for maybe a day. And that was, I had made the bus trip from Cupertino down to get my Canadian visa stamped into my passport so I could travel back to Canada. This is maybe like three or four years ago now. This was the first time I really uh, stayed in LA for like any significant period. Yeah. And, and did you go there like specifically to do comedy shows or a little bit of a combination of, of some other things? Or was it like, I'm going to fly there, I'm going to do comedy shows and making it happen? I went because... I, I found this audio social media audio app called Clubhouse over the pandemic. And it's basically conversation. It's like this, but it's on your phone. It's like a Discord server. Do you know what Discord is? I've heard of it. Yeah. Some kids that uh, that I've taught before have, yeah, have talked about kids. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's it's basically you can have topics in rooms and then the rooms have people that are listening and people that are participating. So there's a stage and then a listening section. So it's okay. like a live podcast. It's a live podcast that can have as many or as few participants as you would like, mm-hmm. right? And some of my friends, people that I now call my friends, at the time they were complete strangers, they they used it as a online comedy club. They said, hey, like, we'll get comedians on stage, there'll be people listening, and, and we'll perform comedy for them during the pandemic. And it came with its set of advantages advantages and disadvantages. Disadvantage, you can't really see people's faces. You can't read the body language. It's much harder to read the room. Advantage over Zoom was the latency is way smaller because it's audio only. So instead of waiting maybe seven seconds to hear laughter, you're only waiting maybe a second. 
And that's that's a lot easier to reconcile with whether what you said was funny or not. If if I say something to you in person and it takes you seven seconds to laugh, you're either doing it for my benefit because yeah. you didn't get it or or it just wasn't funny. Like you're probably protecting my feelings. Yeah. And I'll also step on your laugh, which is a big no, no, where comedy is concerned. You have to give people space to laugh. So the advantage was, OK, so you can we can still try to do comedy and it doesn't feel the same. And maybe a lot of these jokes wouldn't work on stage, but at least we get to do something and keep writing during the pandemic. And and there's and there's a genuine audience of people willing to listen. How did the clubhouse folks get you over to L.A.? So I just naturally started doing these shows on clubhouse, that is. And, the, you know, it's free. And at first. I met with these people that were doing a comedy workshop on Clubhouse. So this was like at the very beginnings of my uh, adventures in comedy, I think. Like I'd done open mics and stuff in Canada, but nothing major. So I tried jokes and some of them were funny. Some of them weren't. They gave me a lot of advice. Um, I'm still learning from what they told me. But I met some people that are remarkably successful. Like, Like without Clubhouse, I never would have talked to them. And it kind of helped me bridge the gap between myself and what it might mean to be successful. Um, so I so I met these people that you know they were they were like they have their own shows in LA. They book shows. They perform. Like I've met like I know I know people that have opened for Dave Chappelle. People that have opened wow. for Maz Jobrani. Like comedy is a smallish community, mm-hmm. and I just made a lot of friends online. And most of them were in LA and New York. So as soon as the pandemic allowed, I just knew, hey, like, even if I can't go and perform, I just want to go meet all the people that have made the pandemic so much easier on me. And I want to go attend their shows. And I have enough people that I know whose couches I can crash on that it won't bankrupt me. And there's nothing to do in Canada at the moment. So I just went. I crashed on two different people's couches. I attended all of their shows. I I like attended some open mics to see what the comedians were doing, learned more about the art form. And I naturally, by the time I got back, I had made friends that then when they came to Canada, I messaged them and I said, hey, hey, I know you from so-and-so and and you've heard my comedy on Clubhouse. And if you're coming to Canada, if you're coming to Toronto and Montreal, I would love to open for you in a place where I'm actually like visa wise able to do so. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up performing at a theater for 1200 people. Yeah, honestly, you you stole my next question. I was going to ask, like, is that how that happened? You were able to play three shows with uh, Bassam Youssef and yeah. huge shows, at least one of them that I know was sold out. Like what an incredible experience. Was that just from a, a social media message to him or? Yeah, well, I had met him okay. uh, in, in L.A. twice and uh, we had some mutual friends and he's Basim, uh, If I have no idea how he might end up listening to this, but if, <laughs> if by any chance, Basim, you are a wonderful man. <laughs> Thank you. We had some friends in common and she introduced us. And I said, if you ever do come to Canada, please let me know. I would love to come catch you live and even maybe try and perform for you on stage if I'm able. And, and he said, of course. And then when he was coming to Toronto, I made a Instagram post. I just said, hey, Basim Youssef is coming to Toronto. Go catch his shows. And and he messaged me on Instagram. He said, do you want to do a guest spot on my Montreal show? And I said, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll make my way to Montreal. 
Yeah. Um, and he says, what do you mean? I thought you lived in Montreal. And I said, no, I live, I live in Toronto. And he said, oh, what a coincidence. I also have a show in Toronto. And it's wow. already sold out. Like when he brought me on, Toronto was already sold out and Montreal was in the process of being sold out. And so then, then we figured out all the arrangements and uh, I first did Toronto and I did Montreal and Bassem's audience is a lot of immigrants and and he's Egyptian so it's a lot of Egyptian people <laughs> I remember it being interesting because uh, the audience was very uh, like a lot of people of color a lot of immigrants and the two people there that were white were people that I had brought because it was <laughs> it was my landlord and my landlady that I had been living with in Toronto okay and so after the show I like I like brought them to Bassam and I was like these are my white people Greg and Elaine and <laughs> they wanted to meet you Greg and Elaine <laughs> yeah <laughs> What a rush that must have been performing for thousands, I would guess, thousands of people. Did you notice like any other lar like large differences kind of performing for that huge space as opposed to like a bar or a comedy club? Like what were the differences about those experiences? I, I was fortunate that I had a good time at all three shows. Comedy is interesting because uh, you can go from being like doing an amazing job for one crowd to completely doing a terrible job for the next uh, because it's it's like a relationship with another person. 50% of it is dependent on someone else. And, and that's the scary part about it. It's a live art form. So the audience is part of the art, right? So, so it's like largely dependent on how they react. Uh, and, and you need to be ready because uh, they decide, you know? And, and it's, they're like this, there's a lot of analogies, but basically it's like this monster where if it senses fear, you're done. Like you're always supposed to be in control on stage and confident. If, if they sense fear, even if they're a kind audience, which Canadian audiences tend to be, yeah. um, well, they tend to be nice, not kind. You know, you'll, you can, you can tell whether or not they're enjoying themselves because they, they'll clap, but they won't laugh and, okay, and laughter, yeah. you know, it's it's very it's it's voluntary and involuntary but if it's not funny they're not going to laugh and that's that but i was fortunate that all three shows went well because it gave me a barometer of okay this is me performing for 1200 people but they're not here to see me right i can't call myself successful until the tickets are being sold in my name and and they're there to see me right so so that's when i started my own show in toronto it's it's called the variety hour and it happens every month and it's like it's not 1200 seats it's 70 seats right but but to me set like 70 people buying tickets to see me specifically that's a that's a whole different ball game than 1200 people that i performed for but they were somebody else's audience right this is like this is my audience my responsibility if i mess up it's on me there's nobody to disappoint but myself yeah, it's a, very but, but it's a huge step for people to for you to be the headliner act and them to decide, OK, I'm going to spend my money and go see him instead of like, oh, he's the bonus opener. That's great. But yeah, selling tickets to your own show on a regular basis. That's that's a huge, huge step for sure. Yeah. And uh, it, it opened up like avenues for me that I'd never explored before. I was always nervous to try crowd work, which is a specific type of comedy. Yeah. You're just initiating conversation with a crowd member and trying to turn into gold, basically. Like yeah. whatever they say, you're trying to turn it into fun.
like you might have seen some of my reels where I asked a couple how they met and they said through work and I was yes. like isn't that harassment now or <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so that sort of stuff, you, you have to have your head on your shoulders to like come up with, like, no matter what they say, you have to say something funny, right? Like the, the onus of the funny is not on them. Like they don't have to say a funny thing. They just have to say whatever, like you ask, and then it's your responsibility to see. But I never tried that until it was my own show because I didn't want to tank somebody else's show by doing badly. Right. right? And, and also my material was working. So I didn't really have the desire, but when you host your own show, uh, you're going to have a repeat audience member. Somebody saw the last show and they're going to be at this show. And comedy right. is not like music where you can like play the same song again. If they've heard the joke, maybe they'll laugh again. If it was really good a second time, yeah. the third time, nobody's going to laugh. Third time, right. Yeah. And, and so you have to improvise, improvise. So everything at my show, well, I I'm hosting my show so that I don't have to do material because it's my audience that's come there to see me introduce other comedians. And I'm just, I'm the, I'm the leader of the ship, yeah. right? That's the, that's the vibe. And then crowd work is great because you can never tell what's going to happen and it's completely unprepared and it's a skill on it all on its own. So a lot, I do a lot of that at my own shows. Yeah. That's wonderful. So that'll be monthly shows in Toronto whenever, whenever live shows are, are allowed again. Yes, uh, it'll be a it, it is a monthly, and I will probably do a monthly in Kitchener too, as uh, as time allows, because those are two places where I actually have built-in audiences because I've spent a lot of time there. Wonderful. Well, throughout our interview, you've kind of mentioned quotes from people and and things like that. I'm wondering who are some of your biggest inspirations when it comes to comedy. Oh. Um, there are people that I just think are wickedly funny. And then there are people that I know that are funny, but, but their value isn't in that they are funny to me. Their value is in what they've told me and, and what I've learned from them, you know? So a little bit of both, maybe you may or may not have heard of these comedians, but Drew Lynch had a special this year that hit a million views on YouTube. I thought that was excellent work. Amazing work. I met him when I was in LA, super nice guy. And Bastem's hour is brilliant. I saw it three times, still amazed by some of the skill. The third time I was watching it, which like as a comedian, like the joke is over the, like halfway through the joke, you already saw it coming. Yeah. Right. So for me to be looking at it and going, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lot. And then uh, Brian Simpson, is uh, he just had a Netflix special release, 30 Minutes, uh, part of their series called The Stand-Ups. And he's got, he's got some brilliant jokes in there. And so those are the three that I would really want people to watch because those, aren't, those may not be names that they've heard and they deserve the recognition. Uh, and then the people in my life, uh, I think that I've met, uh, there's, I, I, I'm fortunate to call them mentors and friends, but Tehran Von Gasri is one of my people that, that I admire. He, he lives in LA, uh, met him. He runs a show at the Laugh Factory, which is world famous every Thursday. I think it's been sold out for like 10 years. He's, he's, he's given me some very, very useful advice and, and pushed me forward when, when I didn't really want to, when I felt like society was judging me. It's like, don't listen to anyone that doesn't believe in what you believe. And, and that's just like a very nice thing to hear from someone. 
one true mentor if i had to pick might be him like he's he's the person i'll like message and like i don't know him i'm doing this right and and i trust that if i'm not doing it right he'll tell me that i'm not doing it right exactly yeah i actually remember you posting um like maybe a few months ago you made this post uh on instagram like about a joke flopping and and it was something about you know it wasn't hitting needed to be reworked, needed to try again. Like I remember seeing that and thinking like, that's kind of a bold thing to put out there that, you know, you messed up. It it didn't work out that night. Like, why do you choose to share that content with your followers? I think a lot of people that follow me are comedians or brethren. And for them, a joke working is not as interesting as why a joke didn't work. Mm. And I think, I think I'm a little sick and tired of people only sharing their greatest hits on social media. Yeah. It it makes it makes life not interesting. And and I want to show people that failure is funny. Mm-hmm. And and I want people to know when I'm upset about something or or when I don't don't like what I'm hearing. Like I think uh positivity is good but authenticity is better. I think is my, it's not like a motto. I know it sounds like it because <laughs> I said, I said three words and three words in rhythm. <laughs> Get it printed on a little poster yeah. somewhere in a bedroom. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if I'm having, if I'm having a subpar day, then people should know that I'm having a subpar day. Like, why would I skip over that? Right. And if, and if they're going to stop following me because I had a bad day, then I think I would rather have the people that stick around when I have bad days. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the reasons. Yeah. And that, that's a really nice side to see because then as they see more of your comedy shows, they can get to know you more. Also kind of the, sadly, the social media presence has to go along with it. Right. And, uh, you know, people are just able to, to relate to you more as they, as they get to know you more as a performer and a person as well. Yeah. It's been an amazing 2021. Uh, so many, so many shows, so many great successes from it. What's uh, 2022 going to hold? Any things that you know will happen this year or things that you're hoping will happen this year? Yeah, there's a few things I'm uh, looking forward to that I either know will happen or hope will happen. Uh, I want to start consistently selling my show out. I've done it three times in uh, in the last year. And I want to start consistently selling it out to maybe 50 seats at least every month. And then I want to start doing one in Kitchener, which I hope will do similarly well um, and make it a monthly that's one of my goals is to more consistently produce shows so so I can show the cities that I don't know like a part of my thing is uh, like it's not that I like make it make it a point to like have diverse lineups it's just that I have people that are friends that are not like people of color and women and just it's how I grew up and who I know so if I book something it's naturally like that um and so, but I want to show the cities that they can book like eight people and they don't have to just have like one token minority. So I wanna, that's one of my goals to like consistently produce. I want to go to India for a month and perform there because I'm starting to be in conversation with comedians that inspired me to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened through Clubhouse and Zoom and through online stuff. 
but naturally I like made friends in India that were comedians when I was a civilian. <laughs> and and I, I really respect them and I hope when I go there I'll be able to like book shows with them and kind of follow them around and like really perform for Indian audiences. Mm-hmm. So those are my those are my two concrete goals and then the rest is just like grow my audience. I want to do a Canadian tour. Uh, I think towards the end of the year like September October mm-hmm. and and I want to be more of a staple in the Toronto community. If our listeners want to hear some of your jokes, where can they find you online or how could they catch a show? Yeah, um so I would recommend following me on Instagram because it's a one-stop shop for everything that I'm up to. Usually if I'm performing online, I it'll put it it'll be in my story. I I share a lot of bits and pieces of my performances and I actually like explain the behind the scenes like what was going on before it happened. So Instagram would be number 1 and then I upload slightly longer form content to YouTube. uh which of which there is not a great amount but but they're starting to be more and more of it so instagram first i i go by at @ashwin singh that's uh at a s h w y n s i n g h but yeah uh, i would i would love for people to follow me and send me a message and see how they react to the things that i've been posting wonderful well thank you so much ashwin this was such a fun conversation to have really interesting for me to learn a bit more about the comedy world and like so so exciting just to hear all of the things that are happening and you know hoping all the best uh, for you in 2022 very exciting thank you very much i appreciate you having me and it's very nice to talk to you it's been a while <laughs> well thank you so much thank you Allison i've been chatting with local comedian and performer Ashwin Singh this has been midtown conversations i'm Allison Dijack have a great rest of your day